Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. What is up, podcast world? Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where we talk about hustle, grind, success, failure, all of those things in my journey and some others along the way. up welcome to episode 106 thanks so much for listening it means so much to me if i brought you any value please be sure to leave a review and hit subscribe shoot me a dm on instagram or facebook let me know what you want to hear more of and please be sure to share the podcast i can't begin to tell you how much this stuff means to me sincerely thank you this episode is brought to you by Hashdash. Cannabis can be complex. Which product is right for me? Which fulfills my needs? It can be overwhelming to know where to start and how to navigate the sea of product offerings. Hashdash leverages a unique algorithm that matches you to the right cannabis products based on your profile. If you're a cannabis consumer and want to explore their value add and an opportunity to sign up for their free beta release, visit hashdash.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at hashdash and on Instagram at hashdash.com. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast, Laura Colgan, an influencer who's traveled the world, visiting seven countries, 46 states, and most importantly, creating a beacon of light for those that have been through a narcissistic relationship. We talk about gaslighting, narcissism, practicing gratitude, mental health awareness, and positivity. I hope all of you find so much value in today's episode. For those that that don't follow you, what 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 would you give for your your A to Z um, for the audience? Oh my! Um, well, country girl at heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sums up a lot already. Um, I love to travel. I'm passionate about different cultures, different countries. Um, and if I'm not working, then I'm traveling somewhere. So <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> Me in a in a nutshell, really. And, and, and what really, you know, there's, I always find it fascinating, but what drove you to explore? I mean, it's, it's, it's super fascinating to me because you have a chunk of people that stay in the same place forever, right? 
um, and don't really explore outside of that. And then you also have those people that bounce around all the time. You know, I, I think it was prior to college, I moved around all the time. It wasn't around the world, um, but around the New England area. What really inspired you? Because I assume there's something probably down at your core that just really drove you to say, I, I need to get out. I need to see the world. I need to breathe it. I need to experience the, the culture, the food, the people. You know, what was really at the, you know, the epicenter for you to inspire you to travel? Yeah, so, I mean, traveling's been a part of my life since I was a little kid. You know, I, before before the crazy flight restrictions, <laughs> uh, you know, I would go on, on flights with my mom and dad and, you know, I would go sit in the pilot chair, you know, and, and hang out with the pilots as yeah. everybody boarded. Um, so traveling was just fascinating to me. I got to see so many people, hear so many different funny accents. You know, as a kid, you're just like, why are you talking weird, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, and it was just fascinating to me. Um, you know, when before, before I was even 12, I had been to Hawaii. I've been to, you know, Mexico a couple of times. Um, I've been all over the U.S. and it's just, you know, that was just part of my DNA. Mm. Um, some Somewhere in the middle, I got a little bogged down. I started to stay home a little more often than I would have liked. Mm. And I could, I was just kind of self-evaluating and seeing how much that affected me mentally and emotionally. And as soon as I understood it, you know, this is a direct relation to me staying put in one place. I said, all right, that's got to change. I got to go somewhere. I Mm got to travel. I have to make this a part of my life. You know, I don't want this to be work, you know, majority of the year and have two weeks off to explore the world. Heck no. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to find out what I could do in life that would give meaning, not only to myself, but people around me as well as, you know, traveling while I do it. So, Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, I've, I, you know, I'd say I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm traveling. Well, prior to COVID, uh, a week per month, um, whether it be out to the PNW, uh, California, Colorado, and I have to say one of the most uh, kind of rewarding pieces from traveling, aside from the view, is the food. I'm a huge, huge foodie. Um, some yeah. people would call me a food snob, and I always find that uh, the irony behind that because it's like, don't you want to, uh, you know be thoughtful around what you put into your body. Um, and so I've always extremely enjoyed traveling just for the pure fact of getting out from the seat that I'm currently sitting in it every day. But not only that, the experience, right? The, the views, the food, yeah. the people, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I really enjoy going out to Colorado because there's so much diversity just in Colorado yeah. from a food to an ind- individual basis. And I enjoy that, but you know, I've had a lack of, of world travel. Um, so anytime I see someone traveling, you know, the world, I'm like, okay, this is, this is interesting. Um, you know, one of the, one of the ones at the top of my list is Portugal because uh, I'm fi- actually 50% Portuguese and I have family that came directly from Portugal. Um, so I'd love to love to get out there at some point, but to, to kind of jump in today, we, we really brought Laura on because she, you know, we're going to have a, a really awesome discussion around narcissism. I have, you know, Laura, I think you and I discussed this before, but I have a number of people that reach out all the time and are like, hey, I'm in a horrible relationship or I'm in a real tough spot in a relationship. I don't really know how to get out of it. 
Um, and there are a lot of people that I think we're surrounded by every day that are in this type of relationship and they don't really know where to start. Um, or where that still object is. And so hopefully today for all of you listening that are in one of those positions or coming out of them, out of one, hopefully we can add some value here to bring some light through some of the, you know, the experience lore that, that you've had. I, you know, Laura sent me over a breakdown of, you know, kind of a, a summary and I was blown away. Um, I was blown away, Laura, just one by, um, your elevation and your ability to understand and see these things. But beyond that, and you know, we had this initial call that I just, you got me so fired up. Um, I I thought we just clicked so well, but um, it's, there's a lot of strength and there's a lot of power in your story, not only being in that position, recognizing it, but beyond that, having the ability to walk away from it. Right. And I think that to me, you know, I I actually haven't had a lot of discussion with my listeners around this, but um, I was in a long term relationship where narcissism was just the epicenter at the core of it. And the biggest thing that I struggled with was removing myself from the situation because I recognized a lot of components to it that definitely didn't feel right. Um, I, I didn't feel I couldn't focus throughout my days, um, you know, in my career and the things that I do um, are really important to me. But it was just I was this blanket was kind of thrown over me. Um, and for years, I struggled with how to want to address it, how to move away from it. And there was a huge feeling of guilt every time that I tried to step away from it. And I think it was imprinted by the other person over, you know, a period of time, right? It was compounded. So I would love for you to kind of jump into your story. I, I think all of you are going to get so much value from today's episode. Laura, I, again, I, I cannot, I cannot just congratulate you for the ability and the power and the courage to move away from something like this, especially, you know, I, I certainly don't want to compare here, but um, even in my position, it took a lot. So I can't imagine what you went through. So I'd just love for you to kind of jump into that story because I think you're, you are going to shed so much light for men and women out there that are experiencing something very similar, going through the same thing. And I think that that's super special to highlight it and say, hey, you're not alone. You're not the only one. Let's, let's talk through some of this stuff. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to be here uh, today talking with you about this specifically. Uh, I just, I can't agree with you more. There's so many people out there going through, you know, this type of relationship and and they don't have a word for it. They don't have a direction. They don't, they don't know where to go. And if I could be just a tiny little light, you know, in that dark place in their mind to say, Hey, listen, you're not alone. You can make it. Just keep moving forward. Then my work here is done. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but you know, my my relationship it it started uh, pretty innocently. You know, I, I met uh, I met him at work about six years ago. We worked in the same industry, and immediately I was just drawn to his sense of power. Mm. Uh, he he was the manager of this program that I was working on. 
and just observing everybody around him. Everybody respected him. Everybody wanted to be around him. You know, uh, if we went out to dinners, you know, group dinners, he would pay for everybody. And I just, I was just so attracted to that, you know? Um, and <laughs> needless to say, I fell pretty head over heels very quickly. Um, but, you know, he, he started to show me favoritism. Um, you know, he started to single me out, which made me feel very special. It made me feel very seen, very desired by him. And I loved it. Um, but that whole rose colored glasses, you know, look, uh, went away pretty quickly. Um, about four months into our intimate relationship with one another, um, you know, it, I first started to see him kind of getting caught up in his lies. Um, he, he denied something that I brought to his attention. Uh, you know, I, I went to his hotel room one night when we were um, working away from our, our home city. And, you know, supposedly he had just gotten in there in the hotel room. But, you know, the, the bed was disheveled. There were some products in the trash can that, you know, if it's a brand new hotel room, why are things dirty, you know, and um, I don't know about you, Scott, or, or our listeners today, but I travel a ton throughout the year. I've stayed in several different chains, and I can say without fail, all of the hotels that I associate with, uh, everything is all, always neat, clean, tidy, everything's put away. Um, but he, you know, he denied what I approached him with, uh, kind of accusing him of another person being there with him. And he just brushed it off as, oh, you know, the maid is overlooking it. You know, the maid left that there. This is such a dirty hotel, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was that was kind of my first experience of me trying to approach him with something that, you know, I felt was wrong. And he completely denied it and just pushed it away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and I want to interrupt you because I, I think that there's there's something really key here. A, a couple of things that you've you've said so far, the reflection, right? The deflecting, I should say, excuse me, um, that, you know, there's this sense of almost like, you know, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like it was an oversight, right? One of the cleaning, right. you know, um, individuals didn't, you know, empty the trash or something like that. It's it's so passed off the shoulder. And in that moment, there's almost this like second guessing that happens, right? I don't know if it happened with you, but I remember in this, you know, relationship where I, you know, was like, okay, am I overthinking this, right? Am I, am I, you know, it, it, am I seeing things differently or through a different glass? Am I the, you know, am, am I the one here? And you start to run through this kind of playbook of, you know, maybe I am you know, thinking about this or looking into this too tight and maybe not the specific scenario. So I certainly am not, you know, making an example here of that. But I remember there was a lot of guilt and it was guilt in the form of, you know, oh, well, you know, you're thinking about this too much or it's not that big of a deal. And you're like, no, it is, you know, and I think one of the things that's that I see and I find with people is everybody is allowed to their open their door of emotions. And I think especially in a relationship, whether that be a friendship, a family relationship, a, a loved one, if if you cannot feel open about discussing something that's affecting you emotionally and the other person is not receiving of that, there's a lot of telling 
in that, right? There's a lot of truth behind that. And it's so detrimental to just watch relationships where someone exposes themselves and say, hey, this really affected me or I'm I'm thinking about something here and I'm, uh, you know, something's off. And to just push that away from someone and not, not allow them to have that opportunity is, is such a hard thing to watch. And it's not okay in a relationship. And again, that goes for friends or family or loved ones. So I can imagine, was there some of that that was going on as well? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, just as the relationship progressed here, uh, I started to doubt myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was just the door opening, you know, to Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Um, after that night, I quickly realized that that wasn't the only one. That wasn't the that wasn't the only incident. Uh, there were several women uh, over the course of the next three years, um, whether messages online or actually, you know, uh, coming over and, and staying in his bed, which I thought was my safe place with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as that happened throughout those years, it was almost like a conditioning. You know, I started to doubt myself, saying, you know, why am I not? pretty enough? Why am I not good enough? Is there something wrong with me? Why am I not enough? And it was just devastating. You know, uh, I I was a pretty confident person, um, had self-respect before this relationship. And three years of just a constant slap in the face of, nope, not good enough yet. Let me choose this other person while I still keep you as my backup. Um, That that was just (laughs) heart-wrenching. So, Definitely a lot of a uh, lot of self doubt, a lot of manipulation going on there, and uh, I was I was just very lost mentally with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, it's extremely hard because you know it takes a lot for people to build confidence, right? Even just with themselves and whatever they're doing, whether it be their career, personal interaction, what have you, and. It, you know, I, I think of the mind a lot like, especially this muscle of like confidence, right? It, it needs to be constantly exercised, right? And when someone starts to tear that muscle down, it takes a long time to build that muscle back up. And mm-hmm. it, it almost seems, you know, that it doesn't take that much to rip it down. Right. But it takes a lot to build it back up again. So I can imagine, especially over this time period, how much that that stripped away of uh, of you. Right. And that that confidence, um, that's not an easy thing to come back from. And, you know, a lot of the DMs that I receive are from people who have been through some sort of experience. Right. And they're like, it's hard for me now to expose myself and be vulnerable. And because someone broke that trust, someone stripped down that confidence that was once there, um, that trust that was once there. And I think that this this plays into so many areas of someone's life, not even in a, you know, an intimate relationship. It comes down to a business relationship, a friendship. I mean, it just has this domino effect throughout uh people's lives that just causes so much damage compounded long term. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Scott, I'm still recovering. Yeah. <laughs> there are still days when I, you know, look in the mirror and I'm just like, 
man, you could do better, Laura. Why, why haven't you accomplished this goal? Yeah. Why, you know, why do, are you looking like this in this picture? You're supposed to look like this in this picture. And, you know, content creation, that's, that's a huge part of my life. And I am my biggest critic. Yeah. <laughs> um, very, very picky. Uh, and I've always been somewhat a perfectionist. Uh, that's just how I was raised and how I grew up with parents, both in the military, you know, there's a certain way that things can be done and should be done. And that I adopted that, um, and applied that to my life. But especially after being associated with, with that type of mental and emotional abuse for three years straight, uh, it just took a whole other level for me, um, to nitpicking things that I never even thought were an issue, but because he pointed them out, it was now an issue. Um, And for, you know, girls on here, and I'm sure guys too, but, you know, girls have stretch marks, you know, it's a part of life. It's a beautiful part of life, Mm -hmm. but, you know, stretch marks to him were like, that's, that's not okay. Why do you have that? Is there a cream you can take care of that, you know, and and try to get rid of that? So it's, it's things like that, that I, I never saw as a problem that were huge red targets on my body that were error or shouldn't be there or not enough. So definitely a lot of, a lot of negative conditioning (laughs) during those three years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, you know, really fascinated by this, but, you know, obviously you're someone who is extremely self-aware. So when these moments pop up for you, where either his voice kind of pops back into your head or there's an echo, if we will, if, if, you know, we can say that, right. Um, how how do you bounce out of that for you? You know, is there, do you recognize that? And, and for those listening in those positions that have this voice, because a lot of the conversations on my podcast, um, you know, come down to uh, critics are everywhere, right? Especially something, Laura, I'm sure you experience on social media, right? They're everywhere, right? Something could be slightly off. You're not going to please everybody. And what I tell people is, a lot of voices were implanted, whether it be, you know, from a family member, childhood, um, you know, a past relationship like we're talking about right now. When you're in those moments and that voice goes off or the recognition, you know, a light starts flickering for you. How do you bounce out of that? You know, how do you come? How do you get grounded again and say, no, this is me. You know, I'm beautiful. This is what I want in life. This is who I am. And I'm okay with that. You know, is there a certain process that you go through mentally for those, again, that are listening that could extract some value out of, you know, what you apply for a process in those moments? Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, Scott, you know, during my relationship, I didn't know that this existed. (laughs) So me being able to share that with all of our listeners today is huge. Um, So what I have started implementing in my life and practicing are a couple of things. Uh, first is gratitude, verbally saying, you know, things that I'm thankful for every single morning. You will not believe how much your mind changes just by doing that. Mm. Uh, I make it a point to verbally out loud in a quiet room by myself, say, I am thankful for one, two, three, and I'll name off three things. They can be extravagant. They can be simple. Uh, but I make sure to make it different every day. And that allows me to have that kind of self conversation uh, and just say, you know what, there are beautiful things in this world that I am thankful for, that not everybody gets to experience every day. 
and I'm grateful for that, and I'm going to show appreciation out to the universe. And so that's that's part of my daily ritual now. Um, and another one that's really big for me, and again, when I first heard this, I thought it was the silliest thing. <laughs> but when I started practicing it, it, I was amazed at how powerful it was. Because your mind, it's so powerful, Scott. It can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you feed it is how you're going to perceive yourself and how you perceive others and the world. And uh, so I feed it positivity. When I start to, as I call it, spiral down, when I start you know, hearing his voice or I start thinking about painful memories, I will verbalize out loud, say, no, that's in the past. That did happen, but I am standing right now. I am here. I survived. I'm going to be okay. And I got to keep going forward. But I tell my thoughts, no. And just by saying that, uh, it, it stops. I don't think about it. And I, I don't know if you know others experience this, but when I start thinking about something negative, especially about myself or maybe a painful memory from this past relationship, it stays on repeat in my head, sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks. And it's exhausting. And if you have that painful memory circulating day in, day out, that's going to affect everything about you. It's going to affect you physically. It's going to affect your psyche, your emotions. So being able to just take control of that conversation and your thought process and say, no, (laughs) do not come back to my head. Do not enter my mind. You have no authority here. You know, be gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just saying that Scott has helped me tremendously and it's, it's free. You know, it's something that is so easy and accessible that everybody can do. And I highly encourage those two practices, practicing gratitude and then just verbalizing, saying, no, you're not welcome here. Leave my mind. I I could not agree with you more, like 110% there with you. I, you know, back to your point about the mind being the most powerful tool. Like, I, I you know, I tell people this all the time. In a world where we have so many things, technology, you know, uh, airplanes, you name it, Zoom calls, right? Like we have all of these fancy, powerful or what we call powerful devices. And the one thing that will never surpass any of that is the mind. And when you can, you know, daily practice gratitude, Um, you know, being able to have positive reinforcement with yourself. You know, I do these one-on-one sessions I think I've told you about before. And you, you probably could imagine how many, you know, individuals do not practice just talking out loud or journaling or, you know, practice gratitude or doing some daily reflection or balancing those ideas when, the negativity comes into the room, if you will, being able to combat that with something positive. And I think for all of us, especially in, you know, a day and age where we are so connected and we live on a very, very granular level in life, like we are very, very micro. And I think what a lot of people struggle with is gaining elevation. And I know the way at least for me, that works a lot to gain elevation is sitting at 35,000 feet and really putting pen to paper and saying, is this really a big deal or is this really how I think? And I think that our mind 
certainly plays a lot of tricks on us sometimes, right? It can either, you know, you can be your worst enemy and you can use it to be, you know, the the cheerleader, right? The biggest support system in the world. And I think that we get so sucked into those, you know, granular micro moments that we lose reality. You know, there's this, the perspective starts to fade away. And, you know, I, I assume, Laura, for you, I know at least for me, this is a daily practice, you know, like people that have, you know, that are positive individuals and let's just pause there for a second. You're going to have down days. Like everything is not, you know, uphill excitement every single day. There are tough days and that doesn't mean necessarily that you're not a positive person. But I think something that, you know, has fascinated me is I've had to work really hard with some of those daily practices, Laura, that you just described. And I suggest for everybody, this isn't like a 30-day thing that you implement. This is like years and years. It's, it's for the rest of your life. And it's for the rest of your life because it becomes easier as you start to practice it more, right? If you're a, a baseball player, a soccer player, a swimmer, whatever, you, you get skilled at your art by practicing that thing every single day. This is not something that's a two-day or two-month, you know, event. It's this constant, you know, practice of gratitude, constant practice of positivity. And you can hear it in people's voice, too, when they point out all these negative things going on around them. And it's like, you know, there's there's a positive to everything. But how you want to look at it and what where your mindset, your perspective is at is extremely important to your long-term happiness and which is directly linked to your success, however you define success. But I'm, I'm so glad you brought up those points because I think that constant reinforcement is 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 how you become happy and how you continue to build on that happiness. Absolutely. And, you know, I love that you said it's a daily, daily practice. It truly is. And, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. I have my breakdown moments <laughs> uh, more, more often than I'll admit here, <laughs> but it's, it's being able to allow myself the grace to have those breakdown moments because I went through a really tough time in my life. Um, I, I went through a ton of growing uh, a ton of battles and I have the scars to prove it, but you know what? I made it mm-hmm. and I survived and I am, you know, it, it might not be a, a sprint right now, but I am sure as hell crawling my way toward healing. And as long as I keep moving, that's something to be proud about. And, you know, that's something I definitely want to encourage everybody listening to do as well. Just keep going, keep moving, you know, don't, don't give up on yourself. You're worth so much more to this world and to the people around you. Um, if you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, you know, that I always think of, uh, an action film, right. Where the, the bad guy, um, is beating the living, you know, crap out of, uh, the good guy and he or she just continues to stand up and the bad guy's like, how, how, like how, (laughs) and I think to your point, right. The analogy that you use was like crawling. I tell people this all the time. Life, it's not about speed. It's about consistency. So you continue to to crawl towards happiness, even if it's a crawl. And I think a lot of people, you know, really want to make jumps in these these massive leaps in life. And if you're making progress, you're making progress. And that's a beautiful thing. And for some people, it takes a lot more to crawl. And then for some people, they can jump, 
right? But I think the one thing that we fail to realize as just humans is context, right? Not everybody has the same backstory. And I think that that's super important because, you know, for, for those that have gone through these traumatic experiences, to be able to crawl every single day and do it consistently, that's, that's power. Like that's, that's impressive because that crawl is greater than a jump in my opinion because there's so much courage behind that given all of those scars as you alluded to right and that is special it's you know I I dropped an episode on like the underdog mindset and that's definitely a thing you know I I was always such a fan of course you know not to go down the, the route of sports here but Patriots never used to win as many football games as they do nowadays. And I loved that underdog mindset. Like someone, you know, not to sound like the not to sound like Drake here, but you know, from the bottom going to the top, like that's that's so impressive to me. And, you know, honestly, that is the most beautiful thing that you could build, you can build in life to me, is coming back from something that was so traumatic and having to build on that every day. And yet continuing to find the courage and the power to say, no, I'm, I'm worth way, way more than this. And I'm not going to continue to give up. There is, you can't build that in a factory. You can't build that in a lab, right? Like that's, that's something that you just can't grab, but it will blow past any rock walls, you know, or concrete walls that are set up into me that is the most powerful thing on this planet. And it's something super, super special. And the fact that, you know, you continue to have that, that drive and, you know, that, that elevation and self-awareness every day is, is a superpower, you know, it, it really is. And I know that superpower, you know, took a lot of time, but continuing to practice that is going to continue, you know, making you in, you know, leaving behind a legacy and, and helping so many others, right? Laura, you and I spoke about this the other day, but there are so many people going through, you know, something similar. And I think you shining the light on this and saying that it's possible to get out of it. And here's what I did. It's priceless. It's, it's extremely priceless. Um, so what, you know, continuing down down your story, if you want to you want to finish for people here, because I know I interrupted you a while ago, but um, you know, you want to continue down that that uh, you know, your kind of your your A to Z for us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and just to touch real quick too on on you know the crawling and trying to get out of it. I don't want listeners to think that it was an overnight thing. It certainly wasn't overnight, unless you consider three years (laughs) an overnight process. Um, The first three years of my relationship was just me so confused, not understanding what's going on, you know, wondering, why am I not enough? You know, when is he going to see the light? And then, you know, somewhere in those, you know, at the end of the three years, something clicked in my head. Something just changed. I, I started to stop Uh, I started to throw my hands up and I just said, you know what, forget it. I give up. And I stopped chasing after this person that I thought was going to be my one, you know, my everything. Um, And the weird thing about me stop, like stopped pursuing him in that he started to pursue me now. So as soon as I gave up the chase, 
he said, Ooh, she's about to walk away. I need to hurry up and chase her now and try to, you know, win her back. Um, that's, that's how the, the last three years of our relationship started to happen. And, um, you know, every, every occurrence that happened during that relationship, it was a brick. Every single argument that we ever had, and we had a ton, was a brick. Every single time that he would gaslight me, a brick. Mm-hmm. And I, I collected so many bricks, Scott, that I began to build a fortress around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it, was a, it was a really tough process because at the same time of me just having so much resentment and just anger toward him and bitterness toward him, part of me still cared. And, you know, if, if I'm a, a third person just kind of looking at these two examples of people of, of Lara, you know, one who was bitter and one who loved this person, I was just so angry at the one that loved him. I said, how could you love him? How could you care for him? He's done all of this to you. How can you do that? You know, so I was in a constant battle mentally with my own self, along with trying to battle what was going on in my relationship. Um, but every single argument that we had, I collected a brick. And for those last three years, after I collected my last brick, that's when I felt strong enough to walk away. And I did. And, you know, it's it's a process. It certainly is a process. And I tried to I tried to stay there as long as I could. But it just it just wasn't wasn't happening. You know, Um, I with him, you know, being around me, I felt so unsafe. I couldn't wait for him to leave me. But as soon as he would leave my presence, the room, the country, anything, I would start to panic. Because even though he was trying to, you know, pursue me now, and he was trying to show that he was a changed person, so to speak, I still had those first three years in my head of conditioning that told me if he left my side, he was running to another person's side. And so it was just, it was, it was madness. Um, but close to the, the fourth year of us being together, um, uh, one of our pivotal moments happened in our relationship. Uh, an accident occurred, and um, it, was a, it was a tragic accident um, involving an, an animal and whatnot, um, but he blamed me for it. And uh, those first, that first month and a half, he had to undergo a couple different surgeries. Um, it, was, it was a tough time. You know, it, it was to the point where we stayed in a hotel room for a month and a half. Uh, I had to get extra sheets from the maid keeping to put over anything that's reflective because he didn't want to see his reflection. He didn't want to be reminded that he just had this accident. And it was hard on him. It truly was. Um, and I, I cared for him a lot during that time. Well, at some point in that two months, something clicked in his head and he began to come after my family. Um, and Scott, I'll just be real transparent with you. You know, I can take a hit. I can take a lot of hits and I did from him, but the moment he came after my family, I was ready to fight. (laughs) I I was not about to have him go after my family and try to harm them. Um, so I would stick up for others like much quicker than I would stick up for myself. Um, but after after that occurred, you know, he started to develop this this really powerful PTSD 
that made him do just so many dumb decisions uh, that cost him a whole lot more than he could afford, you know, financially and physically. And it, it affected me. Um, it threw me into this dark spiral of just pain, you know, and mm-hmm. I was so desperate to find my way out of that, um, that I tried to turn to anything that made me feel happy. And that's when I found influencers online, which I'm sure everybody is familiar with, you know, the, the Instagram influencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but these, these people portrayed such a beautiful, perfect life online, you know, traveling to these beautiful countries. Uh, they have the perfect relationship. They are drinking Starbucks every day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever your idea of perfect is, that's what I was seeing every day on my Instagram feed. And I became so jealous and I hated them because I was, I was in this hole, you know, I was in this hell of my own that I had put myself in and I was, I was sick of it and I wanted to get out of it. And, um, I didn't know how they got to where they were, you know, in life. I was comparing my start to their, you know, their peak in their, uh, career and life, um, but I was desperate to try to expedite my way up to that peak of the mountain. So I uh, got introduced to the deep end of the credit card debt idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I maxed out four different credit cards trying to find happiness, which was ridiculously dumb. But, um, you know, four credit cards and $80,000 later, I was still very, very unhappy had some nice things, got on some nice trips, but I was still so miserable. So yeah. Can I, can I, can I pause you there? Because you, wow. First off, um, you know, I've read through what you sent me and it, it hits me a lot, but just hearing you say it is just that much more like out in the open and impactful. Um, but on this 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 note of like finding happiness right through these highlight reels it's what i've i've talked about for a while now on instagram there are so many people looking at you know they're at chapter 2 and they're looking at someone's chapter 50 or like you said at the peak of their mountain and that just never gets you anywhere um but the thing that that you had said that i think you're bringing a lot of value throughout this episode but the 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 thing that i'm honing in on right now is the the maxing out of the credit cards and trying to find happiness there because we are so surrounded by this idea that life is social media and, and don't get me wrong i'm with you on this one i adore social media right but i think that for all of you that are listening, that are looking for happiness at the bottom of your wallet or your purse or in a house or in a fancy car or whatever, you're not going to find it there. And being able to build experiences and actually truly leaning into your happiness and, and going that route is is so special. And there's so much exploring that really opens up a lot to you that you didn't know when you actually lean into what really means a lot to you. And so I think that you just hit on something that will bring so much value to people because I hear a lot of people saying that I want to make more money or I, you know, I want to be an influencer or I want to do this. And my, you know, my question always back to them is why, you know, what, 
what do you want to leave behind? Is it about legacy? Is it about helping someone like truly deep down at the core? What is it that you are trying to accomplish? It, don't focus on on being this other person or trying to lean into the world other people are in right now because there's, again, going back to that point around context, there's just such a lack of it in today's world, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, most influencers, you know, I would say a, a fair amount of them are not showing the the negative side of things or the darkness or the hard work. And I think that that context is so special and important. So even just you coming on the podcast today is showing that story behind everything that you've built today. But someone walking in, not hearing this, not seeing this, not reading your stuff is like, who is this person? You know, what is this life that this individual has? But when you hear the story, it builds so much more there. And I think as human beings, we need to be so much more empathetic and loud in sharing these messages that you're sharing today because the world just lacks so much of it, but yet actually exposing those truths and really giving someone a peek behind the curtains could mean so much to someone, but even more important, could literally change the trajectory of their life. And, you know, so what you're describing today, I I think is going to bring so much value for people to open up their eyes and maybe think a little deeper and a little harder about some of these things. So, you know, again, I apologize for interrupting, but I think you just hit on something that I think a lot of people are going to maybe think a lot harder and deeper about. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I have crawled again, I'm going to keen on that, uh, that word there that, that resonates with me the most here, but definitely crawled my way out of that credit card debt. And I'm, I'm almost out of it. And I'm so proud of myself for, for doing that. But throughout that process, I have found so much more happiness in things that I truly cannot buy. You know, um, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this this uh, talk here that, you know, I'm a country girl at heart. I love being outside. I love being around my animals. We have chickens on the farm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being around nature, connecting with nature, connecting with myself. Those are what, you know, those are the things that I can't buy and that, you know, make me truly the most happy. And so, you know, throughout this process of, Again, just giving myself grace um, because, you know, I've, I've, I did go through a lot, but recognizing that I am trying to get myself to a better place, um, it's, it's just allowed me that freedom to reconnect with myself and find that happiness again. So um, I'm pretty, pretty proud about that. But um, through, the, through the last few years, you know, of our relationship, um, Again, we're, we're building up to the climax here of me being out of it, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't get better until it gets worse, right? Mm-hmm. So how the saying goes. Um, the, the last couple of years were just far worse than, than what I had already gone through. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've gone through emotional abuse, mental abuse, and now we were adding in a new factor, which was physical abuse. Um, so it's, uh, it, it was definitely a game changer for me and, and something that I told myself if this ever happened, I would leave. That would be the last straw. And when it came right down to it, it wasn't the last straw for me. I wasn't ready. I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't think I was strong enough to walk away at that point. Um, but, you know, the, the last year we were together, um, we were traveling. 
it was, uh, you know, in our line of work, we, we travel and represent different companies throughout the country in Canada, um, driving across the country or flying. In this particular uh, moment, we were driving to New York uh, to, to work an event in New York. And I remember very vividly, I was in the passenger seat and I was looking out the window at this at the skyline of New York City. And it's one of my favorite things to see in the world is just to look out and see that skyline because it's so humbling. It's just so beautiful to me. But I remember looking at it a little differently this time. I was looking at that skyline with tears in my eyes, trying desperately to unbuckle my seatbelt because he had his hand, you know, he was driving, but he had his hand on my seatbelt buckle, preventing me from unlocking it because he had verbally cut me to my core uh, enough for that conversation. And I was, I was over it. I was done. I was ready to, to tap out of this car. I was ready to tap out of life if need be. I just wanted to get as far away from him as I could, as quickly as I could. So I was trying to unbuckle my seatbelt and unlock the door and jump, whether that meant being bruised really badly or even dying. I was I was seeing red so clearly that nothing else mattered in my world at that moment than to get out of that car. And, um, I, you know, even, even talking about it now, I just, you know, my palms get sweaty because I, I just, I remember that moment and it was, it was such a scary time. And, uh, whether it's, whether it's me in that car or, you know, me in, in, in the house that we lived in, it doesn't matter where, but those types of moments, Scott, happen so often. And there are moments that I'll just, I'll take to my grave. You know, there's just so many that I, I don't want to relive. I don't want to even verbalize it. But that's just one example of, of how, how painful it truly was. But the, the true breaking point for me it was actually our last city of the year. It was in December. And um, a, a few days after this, we were going to be flying home to our, our home states. And we were in the hotel room. We were getting ready to go have a nice dinner to finish out this nine-month, you know, work on the road that we, we had together. Um, we were going to have a nice dinner, go see a, a cool show, a cool concert in town. And we were just about ready when he asked me a question that he already knew the answer to. He asked me, so when we get home, are you going to move out? You know, are you going to break up with me? And I had already been saying for a couple months now that I, when I get home, I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. This is, this is it. This is finally it. Um, because I had finally collected enough bricks, right. And then built mm -hmm. up my wall. So when he asked me that question, Based on experience for the last six years, I knew what was to follow. I'm a, I'm a big pattern person, mm. so I know what to expect as things start to develop. So when he asked that question, my stomach dropped. I started to get lightheaded because I knew that we were about to fight, and I, I hate fighting. I hate confrontation, mm. um, but he comes over and he gets really close to me and uh, I, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I, I don't want him near me. I don't want him close to me. And so I, I say, please leave. You know, please, please leave my room. He won't leave. 
I said, okay, well, I'm going to leave. And he wouldn't allow me to leave. He kept blocking my way to the exit door. And it got to the point where I just felt unsafe. So I need him <laughs> in a place where most men are pretty sensitive. And um, that got his attention. Uh, and he pinned my arms to my side, uh, picked me up, and threw me on the couch. And did that very aggressively. Um, he's a big guy, you know, goes to the gym, big, strong guy. So picking me up is just a walk in the park for him. Um, so when he did that, my whole facade of big, strong, tough girl crumbled immediately. I, I broke out into tears. I started to have a panic attack, which I don't know if you've ever experienced this or any of our listeners have experienced this, but my panic attacks happen pretty suddenly and are really hard to come down from. Um, so I started crying, sweating, hyperventilating, and I could not get far away from him, uh, you know, quicker than I did. I, I crawled to the nearest corner that I could find, which was over by the window behind the curtain and the TV. And I, I put this sheer curtain between me and him as like some kind of <laughs> some kind of protective covering that I thought he can't come past this curtain, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm finally safe. Um, but that was in my head. That was the, that was the best thing I could do at that moment was if, as long as I have something between me and him, he can't touch me. And I just, I sat there and I was, I was just losing it. And in my moment of breakdown, this man had the audacity to get on his knee and talk quietly to me and said, well, Laura, you know, I love you. Um, will you marry me? <laughs> and I don't remember how I reacted physically. I know in my head, I said this to myself. I said, are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what anyone, right? Like, uh, yeah. anyone. Are you serious? This man who has been so cruel to me, not only in this moment, for, but for years, this man thinks that he has the honor and privilege of having my hand in marriage? No. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've, I audibly said no, which obviously, you know, no man wants to hear no, especially someone uh, like like him. And so he got very upset and he ended up leaving the room, which, you know, at that point we had had our whole entire show. I was upset, you know, it was just a big mess, but I finally got him to leave the room. So it was a small accomplishment in my world. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, I, when I read this, I was just like, wow. And again, you verbalizing it is just a whole nother thing, but the, the strength encouraged to stand up to that. I I know there have been, um, you know, individuals that have reached out to me and have, have been searching for that. And that power deep down, it, it, I have never been through anything like that. So I certainly can't um, put myself in your shoes, but I can only imagine what was racing through your head and just that those beyond the sweaty palms, right? The blood pumping, the, the ears ringing, you know, all of these, just a, a mixing pot of emotions. Um, 
that's got to be extremely challenging to say the very least. Oh, absolutely. And to, to put it more into perspective, uh, when he proposed to me in that moment, when I first got in a relationship with him and for those first three years that I was chasing, that is all I wanted from him. I saw him as my person. I wanted to be his person and I wanted us to live happily ever after. I wanted him to choose me and I wanted him to propose to me so that we could, you know, have a life together. But the moment that my mindset changed during halfway through that relationship, all he talked about was marriage. All he talked about was how I was the one for him, how he wanted to marry me, how I was the love of his life. But those were words. They were all empty words filled with empty promises. And I knew that and I could recognize that. I'm so proud of myself that I didn't allow my emotions to overcome my logic in that specific point because I there's no way I would survive uh, being in a permanent relationship with him. I just couldn't. And uh, I'm a little old fashioned. So when I marry, I I want it to be forever. Um, So it's a serious thing to me. But when he when he asked me to marry him in that moment in that Los Angeles sky rise hotel room, I said no. And for me to say no was such a powerful thing for me. Because that is all I wanted. That is what I endured hell for, is to is for him to choose me. And when he supposedly, you know, superficially anyway, uh, when he chose me, he he didn't get to have me. You know, I, I was strong enough to say no. Yeah. And and that was really my turning point to really take a deep breath and come back home and start start a new life with, uh, with a ton of experience and, you know, um, just a a lot of stories that I could share with people that might be going through something similar that, you know, I could probably help just from opening up and being vulnerable and saying, listen, you know, I went through a pretty, pretty tough time. This is kind of what that looked like. And, um, this is how I overcame that. So, that's, that's what I'm here for. And I'm, I'm so proud of myself that I did. And I, I didn't think I would be in this position. I truly don't. Uh, if you would have came to me two or three years ago and said, hey, you want to you know, jump on a podcast and, mm-hmm. and talk about this, I would be too nervous. I'd yeah. say, oh, no, what if he hears it? What if he hears it? He's going to you know, react in, in anger. He's going to get angry at me. I was so afraid of him being angry with me that it paralyzed me from living my life. Right. It allowed, it, it made me push away relationships in my, in my life because he didn't approve. So I, I can 110% empathize with anybody in this type of relationship with how isolating it is and how crippling it is and how paralyzing it is, not only of the mind, but your emotions. You know, uh, we mentioned it at the beginning of this, this talk, you know, being not being able to be vulnerable with how you feel and your emotions, that's a telltale sign you're in the wrong relationship. Yeah. That is not a relationship anybody should be in. Um, and, and that's what I endured for six years. So. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's, again, you know, almost speechless, but there's this, it's putting your mind almost in like this crate or having, you know, a, a massive weight being dragged down right and this radius is only 50 feet you know it's not you know 
infinity. And that's so damaging, especially when you just realize how special life is. And beyond that, how special everybody is, right? And and what you can experience and what you can go out and do in that, that freedom. And there's like that massive weight that's lifted off your shoulder. You feel like a helium balloon just kind of lifting back up again where before you had this like massive weighted blanket just over you every single day where you had to walk on eggshells about everything. And I think, you know, there was something key that that you had said too with this like, you know, this narcissism too is when they feel you getting distant, there's like this immediate kind of knee-jerk reaction to give a little to suck you back in. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, now will you marry me? Or now this. There's that that those empty promises to say, I actually haven't changed, but I'm going to elude that there's something here to pull this other person back in. So at least I get what I need. It's almost like this this drug. And it's so it's so toxic. You know, I, I, I don't say this lightly, but it's like this cancer cell, it eats away at everything around it and how that affects you in the way that you just express yourself. And I believe the first time we, we spoke, Laura, the other thing is just this, the power again, when you're going through all this to just interact with just society and your friends or your family, this like face that you have to put on because deep down inside, not even that deep, it's like right after the surface level that everything is wrong and it feels wrong and it feels dark and it feels heavy and that strength every day to get out of bed and interact with the world or other people and put on that quote-unquote game face while all of this is going on, that's tough. And I know I'm certainly preaching to the choir here to you, Laura, but you know more so for the audience, you know, recognizing that position that you're put in and the amount of pressure and pain and just toxicity that's expressed in in something like that is so damaging just beyond the the tips of your toes. And being able to break away from that and say no again, as I said earlier, like that's that's a superpower. And I know you said you're proud of you, but I think everybody here is extremely proud of you hearing this story and then hearing the strength to stand up, but your you know, back straight and your neck tall and say no and move forward is it, it's it's special. And I really hope that, you know, for those of you that are listening that are going through something similar or have experienced something like that, I I I can only imagine that a lot of people will take a lot of value um, from this. And so, Laura, we're looking ahead for you. Like, what's on the horizon? You know, after you break out of this, where do you go now? Where are you now? Well, I am in the beginning stages of really what I want to make in my career. I am, um, when I got back home, I started my blog uh, which was only at the beginning of this year. And one of the, or two of the first posts that I ever put on there was talking about my relationship, my narcissistic relationship. Um, one post was kind of the, the telltale signs of, 
you know, what to look for, what are the traits that are most common and what I experienced in my own personal relationship. And then I wrote another post regarding how to get out of that narcissistic relationship. And, you know, I can, I can put anything into words, but um, for people to actually put that into action and finally walk away, that's when I feel like I have given value to, I mean, my, my readers, to my followers, to anybody. Um, and after I, I posted those two, those two posts on my blog, um, I received so many direct messages on my Instagram um, through my blog's email address saying, oh my gosh, you too. <laughs> you know, I'm not the only one, really. I thought I was the only one in this type of relationship. Or I had no idea that this was a narcissistic relationship. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought he was just mean or, you know, had a short temper. Or, you know, I, mean, I got messages from from guys as well saying, man, I didn't realize that her saying that was gaslighting, you know? So it's, it's me being able to show my vulnerable side and say, you know what? You're not alone. Uh, I've, I've been through hell and back and I'm here to talk about it. So maybe my experience will, you know, help those that are in it right now get through it, or maybe even try to help somebody prevent from going through there. Um, I won't say I regret my relationship. I don't, I, you know, some of some, well, some is a, a light word. I would say most of the relationship was quite hard and, and difficult, but I see the positive out of it. Yeah. And I'm very thankful for it um, because without those six years, without all of those lessons, I wouldn't be the person I am right now. You know, I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be talking to you, Scott. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wouldn't um, have all of this, this experience and holding all of that with grace and positivity and saying, you know what, I did go through hell, but I'm going to share my experience because this needs to be heard. Um, when, when I was deep in my hole in my relationship, I thought I was the only one in the world. I didn't know that narcissism was a thing. I didn't even know that was, you know, something that could possibly happen to me, mm-hmm. not me, maybe other people, but not me. And so just that naive naivety, um, was just, uh, crazy. But where I am now, you know, um, I'm wanting to be kind of the light in the dark. Um, And I I tiptoe around this word for a reason, but I want to be an influencer. Um, But I I definitely want to make it very clear what an influencer means to me. Uh, You know, having, having a million followers online, posting cute outfits every day or talking about the greatest and and latest products and sales and that sort of thing. That's great if you're into that, but that's just not me. That's not what I'm into. Um, Back when I was trying to find my happiness and chase that sort of American dream, so to speak, of what I saw online, I tried that uh, because I thought that's what the public wanted. I thought that's what the majority wanted. And of course, in that mindset of just desperation, I wanted to be liked no matter what. Um, but, you know, at the beginning of this year, when I when I wrote those those articles about narcissism, the the feedback that I got and the love and the attention that I got from so many people internationally at this point 
was just overwhelming and so humbling. And it was at that moment that I said, okay, this is my platform. This is what I want to be a part of. You know, I, I, I want to leave my mark on this world. And I want to have, if I have, you know, positively affected at least one person, then I've done my job. If I'm able to have a platform where I can affect positively, you know, thousands, maybe even millions of people, I am all for getting on that platform, not for my own self, you know, self proclamation, or I'm not trying to promote myself and be the the next latest, greatest person in the world. But I just want to be that vessel that can carry a message that is so important that people are desperate to hear and that nobody's talking about because mm. so many influencers online are trying to promote this perfect life and it's just not reality, you know, and on, on my Instagram now, um, I'm very open with, uh, anxiety. I'm very open with narcissism, with therapy. You know, I'm, I'm currently in therapy myself and I, I cannot tell you guys how awesome therapy is enough. Uh, being able to open up to somebody and talk about your deepest, darkest secrets and, you know, just having somebody that has a neutral outlook that is there to help you. They might not understand what you went through, but they're going to help you get there. Um, that is just a huge weight off your shoulders. So um, I definitely encourage everybody who talks to me to, you know, if you're going through something rough, go get a therapist, talk to somebody. Because mm -hmm. for years, I thought that that was a big, shameful thing. I thought if you went and saw, you know, a therapist, you were proclaiming yourself to be a weak person. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's far from the truth. It takes a whole lot of courage to admit to a stranger, hey, listen, I'm going through something really tough can you help me? That takes a huge amount of courage. So, you know, I, I definitely encourage everybody that talks to me to, to you know, if, if they are able, um, definitely, definitely get in touch with the therapist to, to talk it out. But um, I, I am very open with my days and how I'm feeling on my social media channels and specifically Instagram. You know, I'll post up stories every day showing showing my followers kind of like a day in the life of Laura. Um, everybody knows I'm obsessed with multiple things that I post throughout the day, but every once in a while I'll post a story that says, you know what, guys, today's not the greatest day. Um, I'm feeling very overwhelmed with this, this, and this. Um, I just... You know, I, I just wanted to let you guys know that not everything that you see on Instagram is real. Don't believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, people have, you know, photo editing apps. They have um, these fake backgrounds. They have these fake designer things. You know, they're trying to portray a certain life that, you know, isn't always the truth. What is the truth is, yeah, that, that stuff might exist in real life, but you know, they might also be suffering from anxiety or suffering from depression or something like that, but they're never going to show that side, the anxiety and depression side. They're always going to show that perfect side. And I'm here to not necessarily show a perfect side, but just show the real side mm -hmm. and, and to have a platform where people can come to and feel like they can relate to me, that they feel at home. Um, you know, the, the type of person that I want to be online is like, you know, that girl next door, you know, everybody's best friend. Um, I want 
everybody to be able to come to me and ask me questions and, and just say, listen, I'm going through this really tough relationship. What should I do? And and I'll be able to talk to him about it. You know, I'm not this, not this person that people can't reach out to and, and have a conversation with. I'm a real person, super down to earth, and I'm here just to, to help you guys, um, whoever I can. But uh, I, you know, if, if, our listeners today only take one thing away from this entire call. Um, I just want to be somebody that can, can look at you and say, you know, there's not one dark secret that you can tell me that I haven't either done or heard of myself. You know, my goal in this life is to use my platform to be a big sister, so to speak, so that nobody will ever feel alone ever again, especially in a narcissistic relationship. Yeah, yeah, I I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. Um, I think this transparency um, and, and courage to come on here and talk about it is, um, you know, I'm super grateful for you. I, I super appreciate you coming on and taking the time um, and, you know, going back on some of these journeys and I could not agree with you more around therapy. You know, I did it for about a year and a half. Best thing I ever did. You know, when you can get outside of your own head and talk to a complete stranger and just expose your truths and you you find so much more out about yourself that you never knew or you come to epiphanies that you never knew were there. You overturn these stones that you never knew existed. Um, so again, Laura, I can't think for... Thank you enough for, for coming on the podcast and just talking about these things because I, I super grateful again for you coming on, but even more so using your devices, your channels to really lean into that authenticity and really into those truths and bringing people into those worlds so people can relate. At the end of the day, humans are packed animals. You know, we want to be around people that are like-minded or are like us. And when people see that other individuals are going through the same thing, they're going to be attracted to that. They're going to listen. They're going to open up. They're going to get that courage that we've talked about here. Um, where, Laura, can, can people follow you? Because I want people to, one, go to your website and read your blog. I want them to follow you on Instagram. Um, uh, I want them to follow you on TikTok. Where can people find you, follow you to continue this inspiration um, and just courage? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm at laurabethany.travels. Uh, Laura Bethany is my first and middle name. So laurabethany.travels. And then my blog is um, thebunnytrails.com. And that one's just to kind of give you a little excerpt of why that is the name. Uh, I was a Easter baby back in the day. So I was born on Easter. My entire life is full of bunnies and <laughs> um, everything from my family. Uh, it, it's just all bunnies. So the bunny trails was pretty fitting for me, um, you know, being a Easter baby and then always traveling. So, but all of my uh, all of my channels are linked on my blog. So TikTok, Facebook, um, Pinterest, everything that you might want or need to check out is all on that blog. So feel free to go check it out and definitely say hey to me on Instagram. I, I 
promise I respond. I read messages all day and I love interacting and building relationships with my followers. It's a lot of fun. I, I love it. I will, um, I will actually link Laura, all of your channels in the show notes. So for those of you that I highly encourage you to, to follow her, um, you know, I will make it as easy as possible for people to find your website, find the blog, find your TikTok, Instagram, um, you know, all of those platforms. Again, Laura, I can't thank you enough for coming onto the, onto the podcast. And again, you know, sharing your story with the entire world. I, I think you will be that beacon that you alluded to earlier, that, that shine of light, that, that ray of light that a lot of men and women need out there to really push through to their happiness and really lean into just getting out into the world and getting releasing those shackles um, from their ankles. I think that's really special. So I can't thank you enough for coming on to today's episode. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. It's, it's been truly an honor. I am so excited for our listeners to hear this message and to finally have that aha moment of, man, I'm not alone. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for the opportunity to jump on here. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Laura. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so. That way you don't miss any new episodes. And for a closer look into my journey and more motivational content, please be sure to like my page on Facebook at The Motivated Mind Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at The Motivated underscore Mind. But most importantly, please, please go follow Laura Colgan on Instagram at laurabethany.travels and go read her amazing blog at thebunnytrails.com. I've got a lot more to share. I love you all and thanks so much for listening. <laughs>